At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella on the Cure the World Messenger, and I'm inviting for another epic legacy leader show. You guys are four treat specifically powerful women around the world because I have a firecracker here with me today and a great mover and shaker and someone that is constantly not only involving and transforming but also helping others to do the same. Um, she is one of the 100 coaches for global top coaches, top gurus in the world. She's also leading in global coaches by Marshall Goldsmith, which I'm sure so many of you, if you touch anything related to coaching or try to depict a coach, uh, heard about. But also she is a phenomenal advocate for equity, equality in workplace, diversity, inclusion, and so much more. Without further ado, please welcome C.B. Bowen. C.B., how are you? Isabella, it is such an honor to be on your show because talk about firecracker, I'm returning that compliment. <laughs> I guess take one to find another one <laughs> or attract. <laughs> I'm just super I'm just super glad that we could do this, my fellow Coloradan, but also in the same time uh, with times of transformation and change to really shed some light. What is happening? What are you doing? What are you up to? And how did you get even on this trajectory and this amazing journey to do something that is very male-driven, male-predominant, and also dealing with executives and C-suite, all the headaches and pain, and sometimes very little gain, right? <laughs> What of us know what that looks like? Yes. <laughs> Although I'm getting better at that. <laughs> I know, and I need to get some of those tricks of trades. <laughs> you have a little bit few, few years ahead of me, so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm starving student here. <laughs> I it's when you had enough bullshit you go okay ah <laughs> oh, yes and by by everybody watching and listening to the show yes both of us have a very zero and very low appetite for bullshit and that bullshit meter goes up high and, and it censors so much so the beauty is about that authenticity but before we deep dive into that cb do you mind sharing a little bit about your upbringing you have a very interesting story and please share with our audience because it's not only global, but they're always focusing. What is that legacy, the legacy that matters? And then share that in your legendary way. So please. So, you know what? It, it, it's so packed. I'm not even sure where to begin, but I will tell you, <laughs> I am what's called a non-traveled military brat, army brat, which means that I had a kick-ass mom and a power-packed father who was in the military, he was in the army, and he rose to the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, has been laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. And my mom was a working mom and she took no prisoners. 
<laughs> talk about military analogy <laughs> and talk about um, strict and bringing in a way that actually serve you well, right? Because yeah. taking no prisoners and calling names and bringing you up to, to be the version of yourself and tap into that early on, I'm sure was tremendous. Well, you know, it's funny because I never really focused on it or appreciated it. I always thought my mom was too tough. We didn't travel with my dad because she believed that children should have a place called home. So after I grew up, I traveled. I said, the heck with this. I'm going to see what's going on. <laughs> but I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, my first trip outside of the United States was to go and find my dad because I thought uh, I knew where he was but I didn't know where he was. In other words, he was in the military. He was stationed in Panama and I knew there was a military base, but I didn't know anything about military bases. And one day I just decided I'm going to visit him. I did not tell my mom, I was not living at home then. Uh, and I was dating a guy and I said to him, can you take me to the airport? He said, where are you going? And I said, I think I'm going to go to Panama. <laughs> Just like that. Because this is way before 9-11. He said, Panama? He said, do you have any money? I said, I have $25 in my credit card. <laughs> you don't go to Panama. I said, yeah. He said, do you have a plane ticket? I said, no, I'll get one at the airport. So wow. he drove me. I didn't know if I could find my dad or not. I get on the plane, I met this woman who was from Panama and she said to me, oh, so you're visiting family? I said, yeah. And she said, where are they? And I said, I'm not sure. And she said, <laughs> you're not sure? I said, I know he's in Panama and he's in the military, so they'll find him. I mean, talk about missing a few beats upstairs, right? So <laughs> she said, you know what? I, I think maybe I should put you in a hotel and then you can, in a safe place, and then you can find your dad. And I said, okay. Didn't know this woman from Adam. She puts me in a hotel and I pick up the phone and I call the military base. And I said, hi, I'm looking for my dad. <laughs> <laughs> the officer on the phone said, uh, uh, okay, where are you? And I said, I'm here in Panama. And he said, does your dad know you're here? And I said, no, that's why I'm looking for him. <laughs> he said, uh, what's your dad's name? So I gave him my name and it took about 20 minutes and my dad gets on the phone and he said, what the hell are you doing? I said, I came to visit you. And he said, where are you? And I said, in a hotel. And he said, I'll be there in 15 minutes. 15 minutes, I don't even know how he got off the base. He was there, came in, he said, does your mom know where you are? And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> he calls home. My mom picks up the phone and he goes, do you know where your daughter is? And she said, what a stupid question. She's in New York, of course, that's where she lives. And we, we're in the middle of a snowstorm. He said, no, dear, she's here. And my mother said, no, she's not. And he said, talk to your mom. I said, hi, mom, I'm in Panama. <laughs> she was like, 
what the hell? Are you crazy? She went ballistic on me. And here's the funny part. Since I'd never traveled outside of the United States, I didn't think that another place in the world could be hot. So I took all wool clothing from New York, thinking it was going to be cold there. Wow. So my dad said, now I have to go and buy you a wardrobe because you don't have the right clothes. And I said, that's it. That sounds good to me. So <laughs> Oh, that is great story. So what happened next? You purchased your clothing and you spent some time in Panama? Yeah, I stayed for about a week and went through the uh, the rainforest and bought all kinds of artwork, which I still have, and just had a blast and came home. Wow. And you enjoy your quality time with your dad. I'm assuming he had a chance to spend some quality time with you. He did. He did. He just thought... You know, a typical, he was very staunch, you know, but he was like, I can't even believe that she did this because he always thought of me as quiet and mousy and not, you know, not a renegade, but he, he never really knew me, right? Oh yeah. He had a kick-ass daughter. He just didn't know it. And that is, I love this story for many reasons. It's such a great way to bond, surprise your parents as a young adult, what you're capable of, right? And even all those little mistakes, it's all about the build, the drive, the desire, the outcome, right? All right. those things, minutia gets figured out. The tickets, the hotel, the stay, and the level of confidence, you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's a one military base. There are not many, like they're, they're gonna figure it out. <laughs> and and it's just having that attitude because so many times we have what paralysis to even act, to even think, to even execute on something. We're planning for years and years and holding ourselves hostage and uh, being a, you know, no, no prisoner mentality or being actually prisoner of our own prison, right? Yes, right, right. I totally agree. And, you know, I have developed the philosophy, especially the older I get, let me leap first and then I'll figure out where I'm going to land. <laughs> if I don't like where I'm going to land, I'll pick myself up and leap again. Right? But I love that because that is what's really happening all these years in my life. And a lot of people may not feel that they're equipped or ready or wanted to do certain things. But in reality, if we're not open for that change, we're not allowing that transformation to occur. We're going to have a much more harder time resisting it, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? You've got to trust that the people around you are the right people to catch you. Yes. If you've done your job in selecting who you hang out with, be it personal, uh, business, I mean, that boyfriend at the time, I don't even know where he is now, but he opened his wallet and he gave me whatever he had in his wallet for cash because clearly I was not going to get to a new country with $25 in my pocket. Oh, that is you so know, I mean, it's those kinds of things that you remember and that hold you through the difficult times is knowing that you've got people who have your back. So audience, I'll give you a really good example. Recently, I had a conference for association, for my association of corporate executive coaches and my keynote speaker bailed about two weeks before the conference. 
Wow. And I thought, crap, what am I going to do? Because I really was counting on her. And my husband said, call your friend Isabella. And I said, yeah, yeah she's going to have time, right? You don't <laughs> get it. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, okay, right. I'm lucky she has time to say hello to me, right? So I called you and you said, of course, my dear, when is it? Now that's surrounding yourself with the right people. You've got to have that in life. And thank you so much, first of all, for thinking of me and having that opportunity, because a lot of times people, you know, uh, don't have an idea or they're frantic to scream, like who possibly could fill the role, right? And that is such an honor. But in the same time, also the trust, it goes both ways, knowing that not only somebody will show up for you, but will also do the best they can. They're not gonna just show up and waltz in and do poor job because it's also yeah. a reflection on not only on them, but also of the opportunity that it's being given, right? And sometimes we, sometimes we do things uh, not only to support each other, uh, but again, true leaders always say yes, and they figure things out. And this but, is what, what you demonstrate so early on. You said yes to adventure. You said for the outcome you desire to find your dad, to push the envelope further, and then you figured out all of those things later. And that is what's really all about today, isn't it? Yeah, and, and there is another side to the coin, which is yeah. the sad side which is people who you think you can count on, and we had this at the conference too, to show up and show out with great panache to support you, totally, uh, let me clean up my vocabulary, screwed it up. <laughs> and you have to be brave enough to cut and delete. Mm. A lot of people hang on and it's just not a healthy position to take. It doesn't mean you can't be friends with the person or friendly, which is a couple of steps down, but you have to know never again to put yourself in that kind of position. And you have to be brave enough to tell them why they've been cut and deleted. That is a very interesting perspective. I love what you shared for numerous reasons. We see now tremendous pain points for C-suites and executives, regardless of small, high growing progressive or Fortune 500 companies, where we have to make a lot of challenging decisions and do things that are not easy, frankly, that are very difficult. But yeah. having courage, having the level of transparency, having sense of humility, even in those process of power, to do things right are huge differentiators. Yeah. Sorry, Isabella, I realized I had not plugged my computer in and we were gonna lose power any second. So I'm all set now. No problem, it's okay. I'm glad that we're fully powered and we can carry on. And yeah. what I was mentioning, uh, one of the things that I love about what you just shared and you demonstrate because you, you have to lead the way. You have to be the transformation leader as you are because you have built something remarkable. I was in, so impressed to see your community, how well virtual training was run, how 
with no glitch, how we're easy to disseminate people in a different groups and subgroups and bring them back 100% virtual with ease, with the grace, with the beautiful hospitality. And very few companies, even with the largest enterprises can really do that and have a talented team that is capable of doing that. It looked everything seamless and effortless. And of course, as they say, one bad apple or one bad action can create snowballing um, effect and reaction, right? And now we have plenty of that. We don't need more of jeopardizing what we stand for, what we value, what is important, right? We are all adults. And if we don't get it in our 40s and 50s and 60s, we were probably not going to ever get it, right? And that's the other piece too. And I'm seeing now really interesting dynamic when I ask you, uh, as, as leaders are having this now magnitude of complexities and so much in decision-making and critical, critical thinking, you immediately went in that space of critical thinking, of problem solving, and then figuring out the best ways to approach it. And you did so gracefully. So do you mind sharing for viewers and audience that are finding themselves so much into those situations, but they're procrastinating or they're trying to just to think that it's maybe just more on off or maybe next time. And that just keeps perpetuating. What would you advise them? Well, first of all, let me, let me just go back a little bit. So this, you know, life is a struggle. And so I don't want to paint this as a panacea. Uh, when, when I started the Association of Corporate Executive Coaches, I had competitors say to me, don't do it. Don't go in my territory. I've worked hard. You can't compete. And I'm wow. the kind of person, if you tell me no, I'm going straight for the gusto, right? <laughs> and so fortunately, I had a marketing background, and it was just a question of finding out what was their weakest link and building on that. So number one rule is, don't let anybody crush your dreams. And if they try to call them out on it, this woman who said to me, don't do it, you can't do it, was an executive coach. And at the end of the conversation, she had the audacity to say to me, I hope that I was able to help you. And wow. I said to her, no, you have not. I said, you've almost put me in tears. And I said, and frankly, you as a coach. And as a woman. Do better. And as a woman. So I called her out right in that moment. Hmm. And it wasn't to be mean back. It was to let her know that she had the power to squell, squash a dream. And she used that power to try to do that instead of using that power to build up and we could have become business partners or respected peers in the field. So that was my way of saying to her, you haven't reached the level that I would hope you are. Mm. So you have to let people know that. Yes, yes. The second thing that I think is sad but important is I hid the fact that I was a black woman to start this organization mm. for most of the time that the organization existed. Wow, that is so sad. And that is the last how many, five years or so? These five years. Um, and fortunately my name supported it because it's C.B. Bowman. 
No one knew, they assumed I was a man. They assumed that I was white because of the way that I speak. And I didn't tell anybody because I knew living in these United States that being a black woman having this kind of business was not going to be supported. And in fact, there are a group of people, organizations that tried to pull me down. They just all band together. And I remember going to one of them in the very beginning and said, would you be my mentor so I can learn how to be a coach? And they said, no. Wow. I later in 2018 ran into this person at an event. They were receiving an award for coaching and I was receiving the same award. Wow. And they came over to me and said, I understand that the work that you're doing is really lighting up our field and your conferences are outstanding and I would love to attend. And my husband, who was not my husband at the time, but I decided I'm marrying this man, turned to him and, and I said to him, and do you remember when I reached out to you for help? And he said, I don't. And I said, I did. I said, I wanted you to be my mentor. And he said, and what did I say? And, and I said, you said no. Wow. And my husband looked at him and he said, toe to toe, eye to eye, obviously she didn't need you. Wow. 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 Now, this person and I have become business. Um, how can I say it? We acknowledge each other in business now. Mm -hmm. But that could have stopped me cold again. And I'm telling these stories, not to boost myself up, but to let people know that nothing, nothing pull you under, right? Mm -hmm. So then the next hurdle I had to overcome that was major in this particular company was women. Yes, yes. Who decided that another woman especially black, should not have this kind of power organization. And so they went about trying to destroy the organization. Oh, sorry. And it was white men who came to my aid and said, CB, this is what's going on. Let us help you. So point two is you never know where the gunfire is going to come from, and you never know where the shield is going to come from. Look in both directions. I love what you just said, that you never know where the gunfire is going to come from and from who is going to be also protecting you and shielding you from, uh, from them. That is so powerful. You're so true. You're so right. If we also stay to in that mind frame that all of them are same, right, then, then you will not see the difference or you will not be open to see the difference. And the beauty is that despite what they did to you, you continued to still be open and grounded and humble and not put everybody in the same basket. And I'm seeing so much of that going on, right? Us versus them or me versus them and everybody being labeled in the same category, but that is not the reality. It's impossible for everybody to be all the same, isn't it? It, it is, and, and there's another part to that story. Even though 
they tried to take me down, there was some merit in some of the things they said. So I had to figure out what would make me a better leader from all of the mishigas, New York word, all the garbage mm -hmm. that they were throwing at me. Mm -hmm. And it was the ability to sit and talk to the shields to say, okay, what part is truth? Yes. And the response was the truth is how you see it, how you take it in and what do you want to do about it? Yes. And so I had to let go of my immediate emotional response, break that apart and see what was a value in that. That was a particularly hard journey, but one we all have to take. Yes. And you know, some of these people are now my strongest supporters because they saw that I was willing to listen, hear what they had to say, digest it and pull out from that the things that can make our relationship, the negative person and myself stronger together. That is so powerful. Oh my goodness. So many lessons here, CB. And again, I'm so glad you're sharing that every time we want to rise up, level up, bring so much resistance. And frankly, shouldn't be so much competition because so plenty of work to be done and people that you attract will be very different people that they're attracting right and, right. and you're right it's opportunity to collaborate to partner to do some things together instead of competing and that also tells they're threatened and when we're threatened we're threatened because we don't feel as good or we feel like you have something that others don't and just from what i know of you you exude confidence you exude this amazing, amazing charm and beauty in knowing, but also in the way you deliver that. It's not forceful. It's not, you know, but it's also in the way you say it. It's just so people listen, people tune in, people want to know more. And with the words of wisdom, it's like, isn't it a great opportunity to all of us can be a little bit wiser and a little bit better in the end of the day? Yes, it is. Yeah. And that took learning. That took really learning to listen to people, to understand their styles, and to try to figure out, hey, here's a story I remember from my youth. Uh, I was dating a guy from Italy. And Ooh, you always had a heart for those Italians, huh? <laughs> I tell you, those men, oh, you know? Let's not even go there. <laughs> they have this... Uh, ability the salesman like charm yes and i remember one time we were dining in and i didn't feel like cooking and he said to me i can understand you don't feel like cooking but what i can't understand is you don't love me enough to cook for me tonight now listen to that flip Ooh. And I said, I will learn that moment, that second, I said, I will learn that skill. That is a European skill. And when I traveled through Europe, I listened for it. My friends in Europe, I listened for it and I learned mm. how to flip that dial. 
It is not a skill set that Americans are born with. It takes time, it takes listening, it takes strategy. Yes, but you're right, but how applicable that is also in the business, right? When you know someone that they're either in growth and a trajectory to be phenomenal leaders, but yet they're on the fence and they self-sabotage or they procrastinate to jump in and just do it, right? or for them to take things to the next level because they maybe know, but they're not sure, or just simply they feel it's not for them or not their place to do it. I'm sure that phrase served you in so many or other professional oh, yeah. words as well. You know, I interviewed Howard Morgan on Tuesday on my LinkedIn live show, and I must introduce you to, he's a phenomenal person. And we talked about leadership and what it takes to be a great leader. And we both are on the same page. It takes not only listening skills, but caring skills. Mm. It's, so, it's worth so much more than a paycheck. Absolutely. Because people, especially now that we've come out of five pandemics here in the United States, people are so tired of not being heard. The fact that a leader could remember your name and notes about your family. Now, part of this I blame on our laws, which said business leaders can't know personal things about their employees, right? It's protecting the employee, the employee rights. So then COVID comes along and we're all on Zoom and I could see all the backgrounds. I could see any religious mementos you have, any music you have. I see your children. I see the dogs running back and forth. Whoa, what just I happened? I see how you live. I see where yes. you spend your time most of the day and how is that space about? And for exactly. a lot of people, it was a lot of uncomfort to share that, right? Yes, and uncomfort to ask about it. But at the end of the day, it's the leader that cares about those personal things that brings loyalty. Yes. That brings trust, that brings respect. Very yeah. much so. So we almost in a really bizarre way have to thank the experience that we've all just come through to bring us back to humanity. Yes. And in the organizations that are not still doing that, at least we know who are the early adopters, who is already leading the way, and then how we can help them to get there faster, right? And how to preserve and sustain, or also grow and expand, because right now we're seeing a lot of interesting trends as a result of it. Because yeah. even coaching and world of coaching changed so much. The world advisory, strategy, all of those things, and, and even how we interact and do our own practice and businesses change dramatically. And if we're not adopting to change and knowing how to position successfully for that change, but I love what you said, we're more than paycheck. We're more than just uh, someone that is showing up and has a great listening skills. It is finessing things, knowing personalities, knowing what's being not said versus only what it's said. Listening the body language tonality and really toning into the wisdom and experience that you cannot buy. And as a result, help them to navigate and orchestrate conversation. How many times I even before COVID had to do that? And yeah. now even more so because we're 
prone to communicating, but we're not prone to connecting, right? We're speaking, I'm sorry, but we're I not really communicating and we're truly not connecting through, through the speaking. So if it's communication done right, connection is done there too, right? So it's so much easier than to get faster to the root cause, to the bottom line, to that pain point and that trust and transparency so that we don't fix the cause versus true, I'm sorry, effect versus true cause that we need to fix the root yeah. problem. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll tell you two stories, if I can remember both of them. Uh, one is I recently interviewed uh, a coach from South Africa. Now, I am just terrible about history and geography. Unlike you, you have, I mean, my God, it scares me. Um, he said to me in South Africa, when you are greeted, when you meet somebody, and I, I won't try to say it, in his language, because I think his language is Ambuktu. Mm -hmm. um, the expression is, I see you. Yes, yes. Now, it doesn't mean I see the surface, you know, the glasses, the lipstick, the earrings. It means I see inside of you. Mm -hmm. I see what makes you think where your heart is, where you want to go, what upsets you. I am spending the time to understand you from inside out. Mm -hmm. And the response that you give is, I am here. Mm. I am here for you to see. Mm. That is so powerful and so beautiful in this day and age. Now, my other story. So I, part of my education, I was so fortunate to go to the new school. Back then it was called the New School for Social Research. It was a kick-ass school for training the mind to think. Mm -hmm. well, I remember so many exercises that we had. For example, you were given a hardball egg and you literally had to write a dissertation about what you saw looking at a hardball egg. Another exercise we had was you were given a paragraph in a book and you had to rewrite that paragraph with the same exact words and tell a completely different story. Wow. Those kinds of exercises, when, many years when I after I graduated, I said, you know what? That education was about figuring out that the answer is the beginning of the question. Yes, but also to question your thinking and your assumptions and your yes. beliefs, right? It's not in what you see, it's what you don't see. Mm. It has the true deep meaning. And so you asked me, how did I get to where I am? Yes, I'm sure everybody would love to know that, CZ. Despite all these obstacles and hardships and challenges, I mean, specifically, I'm not a Black woman. I can't even understand it because I never walked in your shoes, but I deeply empathize because 
it's scary place, especially today. It's how a little changed and it's just so terrifying. I live by the philosophy that the answer is the beginning of the question. And so when you have that, you look at the world very differently. I could sit back and say, this killing of Floyd was a horrific thing. Or I could say, this killing of Floyd was a horrific thing. Now what am I going to see? And what am I going to do? To make his death mean something. Mm. It's not about what somebody else is going to do. Yeah. It's not about what the obvious is. Yes. And I'm going to be careful to tackle what I can handle so that I can deliver on my promise. I'm going to see the answer and what does it mean? And so we came up with a company called We, Workplace Equity and Equality. And it is based upon no shame, no blame. Let's figure this out together. It's not your typical training by any stretch of the imagination. We go into companies and we say, let's sit down and figure this out together based on your norms, based upon us seeing you and you seeing each other. That is so profound and that is so transformational. And I earlier had a live with one of my colleagues. Um, right now it's a holy month for my Muslim colleagues and friends. Uh, so there were just two of us at this um, conversation from high level of leadership and strategy actually about the transformative trainings the stem from transformative learning, but in order to do that, stem from transformative cultures and leadership. I was yes. like, you can have nothing that's gonna last and gonna be so meaningful and have so much impact when let's start with transformative leaders that create a transformative culture as a result of learning and as a result trainings and not the old fashioned styles and rigidity and information and statistics and just in general, um theoretical principles but the ones that come from day to day the pain the disconnect assumptions and not seeing clearly each other i yeah. remember one quote that just, just brought up if you yeah. don't mind just quickly that i yeah. think resident with you was um with the quote from a very well-known leader that said i don't like him that is why I need to spend more time to discover and learn about him. And I think that is so powerful. We have assumption to not like what we don't know, right? Absolutely. And assume very quickly. And as a result, we forfeit opportunity to get to know each other in full light and discover who we are. You know, you've taken me back to another exercise I experienced as a child. Uh, my dad, Again, when um, he was in the military, he worked at something called the Pictorial Center. Mm -hmm. And they did all the graphics for the military. And I remember visiting him there also. And it was in Long Island in New York and there was an Asian artisan there. 
who did what I've come to realize was magnificent work. And <clears throat> me being an obnoxious little brat, said, he said to me, the artist, he said, what do you think about my painting? <laughs> and I said, well, I don't like it. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, why? And I said, I don't know, because I don't like it. It's not my style. He looked at me, he smiled, and he said, young lady, try not to like something, but never ever say you don't like something until you figure out why you don't like it. Yes. And that, I mean, I must have been in my lower teens. I have never forgotten that. Figure it out, take the time. Because the only way you're gonna get to solution is by knowing why. And the same thing we see with adults, right? People in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and even older, that they will resist, resist the change, resist to do things differently, resist to connect, to truly have true integration in diversity and equity and inclusion. But because again, they don't like it's a threatening and it's fear-based, right? Yeah. They will never allow to go there. And as a result, they're holding themselves hostage, but also everybody else in the organization. Exactly, exactly. And, and the sad part is that so many of these people are magnificent people. Yes. But they're not letting their magnificence out. Yes. To embrace and to share. And that's the sad part. Going to their grave, holding this knowledge and ability to communicate and ability to accept and just take in newness. Yes. And, and, and I love what you did with your life. You could be that girl that did not build us confidence or that they took her confidence away. Or you, you could be the bit, that girl that confined and confirmed and stayed and worked the same company for years and decades and retired from, right? But I love what you said in the very beginning to not allow our dreams to be stolen or to be taken away. No, you can't. I remember when I worked for a Fortune 500 company, who I ended up, taking to court for discrimination. But there were incidents, Isabella, I wanna tell you, I myself, I don't know how I made it through mm -hmm. because I had to continue to work for that company while I was doing this. And I was shunned by white people. That was to be- No surprise. <laughs> but I was also shunned by my own people Ooh, that... because I was, they, I could contaminate them mm. by them speaking to me, by them supporting me. Mm. So I had to walk that line by myself. And I look back and I say to myself, would I have done it again? Because it took health tolls on me. I bet. Not immediately, but now I know. And the answer is, without a doubt. Mm. 
I wanted just to say something and I thank you for sharing with the listeners and people that are watching because we over time, what persists is what we allow, what we tolerate, right? Yes. And I'm glad so that it's no, no, um, any doubt in your mind that was the right path to do because they needed to learn the lessons. They needed to understand what they did. I've been in a similar situation myself when I was also shunned, discriminated, and uh, from managing director, and then, you know, the way he manipulated information, misportrayed, and literally not to be involved in certain projects, not to be involved in certain stuff, and very different information going on, and was really hard, and alienation was so obvious, and I remember uh, after everything I experienced personally, I, I said, I'm going to take a high road on this one, because exactly as you just mentioned those health issues and everything else and i said will be time to come when i'm going to be on stage where i'm going to be more visible even more than i was at that time because i remember i was shunned exactly because of my visibility i did everything he was not willing to do or didn't know how or was not confident in doing to write for publication, to speak on lives, to be visible in my thoughts process for someone who is English's sixth language, yet someone who will constantly pick and pick and pick on me, right? Mm -hmm. Never provided solution or constructive feedback, but always was just this underlying things, right? But the sad part, what I felt is how many his um, team members not only knew that, but they were complacent and they want to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. so when I transitioned, how many of you of them, not only I disconnected from LinkedIn, but how many of them reached out and said, oh, you're doing some great stuff. You know, you always knew how to do X and Y and Z. And I'm thinking, no, it's too late. And I don't even want to go that path. And frankly, I don't need it. I didn't want to even explain or say anything. But to me, silence means a lot more oh, yeah. than any words. And ironically, how many of those companies and players from those companies are constantly watching what I'm doing on a daily basis and, and, and looking at my content for someone who was all of those things, right? So smart right. person can easily depict and see the truth. But one thing I learned is I preserve my health because I have to. I, in the same time, I knew there will be long paths and will be so challenging for me because I can't stand injustice. I can't stand people that are lying. I can't stand for people that are manipulating. And, and that really, it's very toxic. And that felt like this is gonna prolong that toxicity that I actually have a chance right now to just leave behind. Yes, yes. But Absolutely. also payday can come in many different ways. But don't you love it when it comes? Yes, I do. And the reason why I'm saying this, this can be phenomenal case study and learning experience for others. And you know what's so interesting? Uh, when you have a managing directors and five or six of them and one of them getting demoted that he is now senior manager, not even director or senior vice president or whatever it is, you know, tells you a lot. And it's not because their health alone or whatever might be excused. But also very quickly, you can get, if you're smart to root of the cause, why certain things, and I even ask my questions. And sometimes, again, being smart, being honest, transparent can be to detriment to you. And I'm sure yeah. you experience the same thing. Yes. Because I was puzzled. How is this small division of organization? It's constantly having between 65 to 75 um, 
constant revolving doors and people leaving year after year. How is this possible that you have such a high attrition? Right. And when you start asking smart questions, as you said, that with end questions in mind, or, or where, where are we going from here as we know now intellectually what is happening, how many are willing to take that path and truly look at, let alone to take action? I'm yeah. working right now in front of in <laughs> the person in front of me, but with this beautiful bookcase behind you. But I'm, you know very well that are very few, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, that's the sad part. Yes. But the good part is there are people like you and I. Yes. 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 Somebody has to be a trailblazer, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, but one of the things I would love to see is more women supporting each other. Yes. And I'm talking about the women that are running Fortune 500 companies. You know, they made it to the top. And the negative is they surround themselves with others who have made it to the top. Instead of opening the doors for those that are below, right below, you know, further below to support them. Because there's a reality, they're not gonna be here forever. Absolutely. And this and is those that help them also to get there. So yeah. many people help them to get there. So never forget the helping hand you needed the most. Yeah. And this is something that sadly men do more than women. Men reach an age of 50. That's usually the key age. And they stop and they say, I've reached my goal. I'm now going to reach down and bring somebody else up. And they do it very successfully. I always said when I was at General Foods, uh, my mentors that were there were always older white men because I knew that they were ready to find somebody to support. Mm. The problem was I didn't know what to do about it, right? I learned <laughs> later, right? <laughs> because one of the things that my culture does not do well enough is to prepare the young kids to figure out how to find mentors, how to use mentors in a positive way, how to give back to mentors, what are the business ins and outs. Well, I'm seeing it more now with the young generation, but there's a whole generation or two in between that still need that information. Yes. And I love what you said, because you're blind and oblivious what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And that is okay. But it's just the fact that it is something out there that we don't know and allowing ourselves to figure out what that is, that is already more than a half of solution. But now we're seeing also interesting trends when people feel like there's certain age group that already know it all. And it's now more about just coasting till that retirement or to whatever that dream angle is. But that's not the reality of workforce today. That's not the reality of the nature of organizations, right? So it's something right. to give. Something yeah. needs to change. Absolutely. Yeah. So what else can I share with you? What so else can I think we're getting about? close to the top of the hour, but I would love to 
because everything you're doing, I mean, this has been, we can continue, of course, but I'm just want to say with what has been really interesting is, again, the journey and still that humility and the warmth and passion and desire for all humankind to truly be successful. And that's the true tapestry of phenomenal female leadership yes. uh, where we can insert ourselves in a nurturing way and yet still be positive even if we have to criticize or if we have to acknowledge that something is not working and doesn't have to be power play doesn't have to be ruthless uh, but yet still uh, get to the bottom of it so with everything you've been through with this amazing association you created with the great coaches as a part of it that i had a chance to witness uh, and converse with and not only also hearing you in Clubhouse and sharing some uh, great golden nuggets and wisdom, and obviously on LinkedIn and other platforms. I'm curious, uh, you already have amazing, outstanding legacy, things that most people never will reach in their life. You're already that one percenter on the global scale. So I'm curious, what is in there that would you like to accomplish more? And what would you like that renowned and even bigger legacy to be all about with these years to come with all this amazing passion that you have still in within you? I want to be my version of Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Fantastic. Go I and want, you already are that. I want my own TV show. <laughs> That's fantastic. Why not? Yes. That's what I would love. Yes. And I would like to have a TV show that focuses on people helping people. And here's what I mean. We spend so much time trying to get a leg up. Yes. But nobody gives us the blueprint. And there's so many different blueprints. And I want to have a show where we could examine the different blueprints. I don't want it to go on for years and years. I want it to be really important and mindful. So, so for example. And impactful to save the time, right? Yes. Nobody yes. has the time now to go and reinvest another 20, 30, 40 years. And exactly. we've gone by then. Exactly. So. We talked about women helping women. Yes. But we didn't talk about women knowing when to bail out of helping other women. That's equally important. Wow. I'll give you a very good example. There was a young woman who reached out to me who was a teacher who wanted to change careers. And she was in the process of developing a new uh, program for coaches, a new product for coaches. And I thought that's interesting. But she was also she was also a teacher and she had just had it. She she felt that the school was not um, connecting with her values, right? So I said, all right, let, let, you know, let's talk. At the end of the conversation, I said, here are your next steps. After I hung up, I remembered that I knew somebody who might be able to help her and hire her based upon what her stated goals were. So I introduced them by email. Mm. 
and she set up another appointment with me. Now, here's when you know when to bail. The next appointment was canceled because she couldn't get a babysitter. Mm. That's a red flag if I've ever seen one. Mm -hmm. The next appointment I had to cancel and I felt no guilt. The third appointment, she wrote to me and she said, thank you so much for the introduction. I reached out to the person today. This was three months after the introduction. Wow. Yeah. This is when you cut and delete. Wow. That is an excellent acknowledgement right now. In times when things are speeding up and sense of urgency, not only physician filling out, but the pain point that is all time high, you, if you want to help, if you're there to serve, then you use that as priority, right? And if that is not priority and it's not as presented sense of urgency there, then you look foolish in your own network and people think, what are you doing? Because I had a someone actually- No, no, no. You don't look foolish in your own network. What happens though, is you've used your good energy to somebody who does not receive it in a way that's gonna help them become successful. In other words, they're not taking, they're not drinking that energy. True. Take that energy and give it to somebody who's going to drink it. True. But sometimes also people, if that repeats with the same person a couple of times with referral comments, yeah, out, for sure. time, they'll be like, oh my God, I'm, I keep getting all these flaky people. What the heck? Yeah. Are you thinking? That's exactly. what I meant. And that is really what affects. But I had a someone, believe it or not, that no, I- Wait, 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 wait. But you also have to go back. I had another example of somebody who introduced me to a guy. Yes. Who looked, was looking for help. Yes. And I said, all right, I'll take the call. The guy was like, just not ready for prime time. <laughs> and I picked up the phone and I called the person who introduced me. And I said, you need to do a better vetting job if you want me to help people that you know, because I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. So there's two parts. One is you have yeah. to learn to let go. The other is you have to give feedback. Yes, and close the loop so that they know and to do better. I totally understand that too. But also, this is really interesting when you just brought up the, you know, I had a live, I scheduled this woman. Um, she wanted to be on my live. She was eager to it. We agreed on time and date. She knew in weeks ahead. I even shared the promo and then all the details and she was no show on the live, on the LinkedIn, uh, on the everybody. And I even promoted night before. So think about that. And ironically, fast forward, I'm having someone who I interviewed actually for my podcast, or I'm sorry, live, wanted to be on my podcast, said, Isabel, I know someone that might be great actually for your, for your show, for the live that I already experienced, but maybe even for the podcast, which I'm eager to experience soon. Um, and I said, gladly, of course, I will refer because I knew who that person is, right? And when he mentioned, ironically, he mentioned the same person. No way. Absolutely. And I said, you know, thank you for thinking. I'm actually connected to this person. And I actually had her for me on the live, but unfortunately, I will pass. 
And I was very genuine. I said, we had a show, we had an agreement, we had a promo, and I never heard apology or explanation, just the crickets. And I said, and I'm sorry, I cannot do this again. So, and, and then was like, thank you for sharing with me. So I know I will think about someone else and genuinely how you're doing. Because again, when you flaky, when you don't deliver, you know how that goes. And a lot of things happened during COVID. A lot of people endured a lot of stuff. But if we think that we're so big or perceived ourselves in such a way and lead with arrogance and ignorance of somebody else's time and commitment and promotion and everything else, and we don't even respond and we're still breathing and living, um, no excuse. I like that part. We're still breathing and living. (laughs) Game over, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have had the same thing happen to me, Isabella. And I've just deleted them. If you go to my chart of guests, you'll see a red line. They've been redlined. And no, there's no second opportunity. And so, and that is the also important. And I wanted for all the listeners of yours to hear, you have to, and maybe it's perceived cruel or whatever, but um, you have to have a healthy boundaries, bottom line. You also, have to know, you also know what are non-negotiables. You have to preserve and protect your own time. And that is how also, it is not easy to be the leader. It's not easy to be effective leader. And definitely it's not easy to be modern time thought leader, because it's not easy to be us women in those positions, let alone with everything else we have to do. And we have to lead with an example. And as a result, it's like, how do you explain something like that? And, you know, how do you uh, bring that to the light? And of course, it's a tact and a grace in these, again, everything learning lessons that you shared, right? And yeah. But we also wanted to point out, we have drive for best practices, but we also have a plethora of experiences that we had to experience first, so that we know what best practices for us are. And, you know, I do want to say there's always exceptions. Yes. And you have to evaluate each of the, look, I've screwed up. I had a beautician appointment last week and I totally forgot about it. And, and so my husband said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, pay her. He said, you're going to do what? I said, look, she set aside two hours to do my hair. I was a no-show. It was my fault. I will pay her. That's just the way it goes. But that shows also integrity. That shows about that what it looks to be responsible leader, how to have a good standards and ethics. Not when it's only convenient for you or us or me, right? But when it is also important to follow that and be walk the talk. We're not yeah. exempt from that. We are absolutely not. Yeah. That we, is a kudo. Yeah. A kudo. We, we just we have to acknowledge that it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to screw up. Just accept that it's yours and do the right thing. And that's the beauty. Nobody will bother and say, okay, if you have explanation or if you acknowledge other person and you saw things day before and you saw them on the LinkedIn application on and seen all of that, yet totally blowing you off. Yes. And that's my whole point. That is why I'm very keen who shows on the Legacy Leader Show, because to me, those are the guys and gals 
that deserve because they're already exuding the highest standards. They're walking the talk when nobody's watching. They already have amazing successes in their lives and they can help others to create. And right now I've seen more and more organizations that are eager to do the same because ethics swinged in very different directions. Uh, integrity was almost diminished. Uh, transparency yes. virtually being gone, people in horrible pain and a lot of turmoil because of fear of unknown and not knowing what may or may not happen next. And that fear was really uh, going rampant and for many organizations still does. So then mind, if you don't mind sharing a little bit in closing, something when someone finds themselves in these challenging situations, what would you recommend for them as a line of defense or action to take to persevere their own sanity, but also to set healthy boundaries? Gosh, that's a loaded question. Uh, and I'm stalling for time. Um, <laughs> that's okay. I know. And the reason I'm bringing this up because you've seen this a lot with me, obviously, not only in Clubhouse, we're in rooms with being together, we're seeing this also in C suite and executives, right? And it's just so hard to comfort magnitude of people that truly don't have power to make a change, but they're doubting their best to be still supportive and conduit of some of the change. So with that in mind, um, I'm just curious, what, what would you advocate? Because boundaries are tricky, but they're very necessary, aren't they? Yeah, and I'm not sure I have the answer. I. <laughs> I could give you a flip answer, which is just growing old, does it? <laughs> yes, getting more wisdom and experience, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think for me... Because to me, you're a great example of setting up boundaries. That's the reason I asked this question. You're very yeah. good about knowing when somebody is crossing and infringing upon that uh, from that was gray area into truly uh, danger zone, right? Yeah. And then how is it important to hold not only yourself, like you already addressed that, but also others accountable? It's tough. Uh, and I'm going to give you an answer because I know it's tough. And I, I think, I think for me, it was really getting to know me. Mm -hmm. I to stop and say, you're letting other people be responsible for your happiness. You're letting other people be responsible for your sadness. Ooh. And I remember when I was younger and I was dating a guy who broke my heart. And I called another guy who was a friend of mine. And I was in tears sitting on the floor. And he said to me, CB, Never let, never, never cry for anybody who won't cry for you. Mm. And I forgot about that for many years. And as I became more well-known in business, I thought, let's expand that. It just it occurred to me one day. And I said, let's expand that. Let's not let other people 
walk in your parade. Let's just make sure that you clearly express what you're gonna accept and what you're not gonna accept, but do it in a way that they feel whole. Yeah, That's the challenge. In classy, healthy, respectful, calm way, which again, you exude that as well. And you're right, wisdom and trial and error got us there. But in the same time, um, a lot of our missing that, even, even if they had a quite a fair share of wisdom and because a lot of people lack confidence, they lack, you know, that they're I, empowered today that can do that because they don't empower themselves enough to um, do that. I think it's really spending time to learn how to say no in a way that doesn't make the other person feel shamed for asking, mm. you know? And it's also, look, I remember going to, I've seen a couple of therapists in my life for different reasons. One, when I lost my fiance, and one when I was going through extreme discrimination in the office. And one when I, I just wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure what my next success looked like. And he said to me, this one said to me, you know, CB, the thing about you is that you're freaking scary smart mm. and you haven't accepted it. And you haven't learned to follow your gut because your gut, unlike other people, will keep you on the straight and narrow. Mm. And I have to tell you, Isabella, every time I faltered, it was because I didn't follow my gut. And my gut says to me that this person needs to know your boundaries. They need to know, they have, need to have clarity. So figure out how you're gonna say it so they feel good. And when I realized that that was the choice that I had, then I started to practice it. Empower, right? You can do that. Yeah. So it's for me, it's all about how do I make the other person feel good? And I remember uh, being a military brat, I always, uh, I like to read military stories. And I remember reading one story, I don't remember which general said this, but he was meeting his enemy and his uh, lower level colonel said, why are you having dinner with your enemy when we're about to charge their field the next day and kill them all? And the response was, I'd rather a man die with dignity than without. Mm. Wow. That is so powerful. And how much we lost to preserve somebody's dignity during the times of challenges, during times of emotional distress or health or mental or physical, um, during these times of COVID and where people start acting uh, not typically themselves. And then how many organizations truly true show genuine ways to address that, right? Yeah and not add more to pain and figure out ways that they don't lose their dignity. 
And you know what? I'm not an angel. I can't do it all the time. Sure. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and, and sometimes might not be even with best intention, we're well received, exactly. but then it's on them. Because this is something I'm sure you practice as well. When you both of us know that we did the best we could, then you at peace. But right. every time we know that we slacked or we kind of were just blowing that off or we really didn't give the best, feels like always lingers, right? Always yes. like, what if yes. I really did this better and what this could do? But when you know that you did and it does something more than that and it creates that ripple effect, isn't it that most fulfilling feeling? It, it, it really is. Then you could sort of be at peace with yourself. And that's what they mean about being at peace with yourself. You've done the best you can. Yes, yes. So dear so, listeners and everyone, you guys have so many golden nuggets from this amazing, outstanding woman. And I love hearing all of those great lessons and examples and stories, CB, because they're so relatable. All of us can be in these different scenarios, but we did not pause to think and you actually even forced me now to pause and think of some scenarios that I've been in similar situations. So thank you. My pleasure. I always love hanging out with you, kid. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. This is to be continued. So dear uh, listeners and viewers, uh, we had an honor to have a CB with us. Please make sure you go visit her on her LinkedIn. She is, again, one of the top 100 coaches from global gurus um, that are helping to move and change things and transform. Definitely attached to phenomenal goldsmith. And she is being ranked as a number one coach, increasing quality of coaching. She has phenomenal, actually, conferences that she puts together. She's part of phenomenal association and advisory board. If you need more diversity, equity, inclusion, if you need to challenge your status quo and anything in between, CB is your lady to go to. CB, where else they can find you? Where would you like to, them to go and learn more about your phenomenal work? So they can actually go to my personal website, which is CB, cbbowman.com. That's what it is, cbbowman.com. And I'm all about LinkedIn. I'm all over LinkedIn. You can find me there. You can find me Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Oh, follow me on YouTube. That's my new deal. I love it. I'm all about the YouTube now. <laughs> That's fantastic. So guys, again, see, it's never too late to start something new. It's never too late to adjust your game and learn from past. But it's also never too late to do things again even better. So I hope you had a phenomenal opportunity on this Legacy Leader Show, and we're gonna circle back to this great lady again and see where she where she's at and what she's up to, and have continuation of this conversation. Dear Thank you so much. Thank you, Isabella. And let's not forget to remind people to join us on Clubhouse, right? Yes, 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 yes. And definitely check out for, for CB Bowen on Clubhouse and check her club as well as what is the name of your club? I keep escaping me. Uh, Executive Coaching Club. Yes. It's called. Yeah. If you, if, you, if you go on Clubhouse and you find myself or Isabel, 
you, Isabella, you'll find both of us. And Isabella's program, I love being on on Saturdays. I wish I could be on it every single day. Yeah. <laughs> My show is first and then hers. And you've got to be there for both shows. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Thank you, CV, again for great support, for showing up, for sharing so much of this stuff, and wish you ongoing continued success. My love, it's been fabulous. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.